You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. Great to have you here. Oh my, much to discuss. And uh, yes, today is the day that we have number 45, President Trump joining on the big radio show, the Clay and Buck Show, uh, from 12 to 3, coast to coast, 430 or 40 stations, something like that. Uh, but so the pre- former president, former president will be joining, and you should check that out for sure. And please continue to give ratings to this podcast. I mean, this is the Buck Sexton Show continuing on in this format for forever, hopefully. I mean, this is what we're going to be doing every day, the podcast where I just rip into everything that we got to talk about uh, if you could give some ratings on Apple Podcasts and also pass the buck to somebody, make sure they know that, yes, yes, I'm co-hosting the biggest radio show in the country, but I'm also doing the best podcast as a solo act in the country, and you should uh, pass the buck. So please do that. And we got L.A. bringing back the mask mandate. Tucker says the NSA is spying on him. Saki Bomb now saying the GOP is the defund the police party. And more fallout from Kamala's pit stop at the border. Not exactly changing the game with uh, her very brief, very uh, perfunctory. It's a fun word to say, isn't it? It's it's a good word for this, too. Just kind of meh, going through the motions real quick and then decided that enough was enough and and no more, no more, uh, spending time at the border for Kamala. She's done everything she thinks she needs to do because now at least, unlike before when she said, we've been to the border and it wasn't true, technically now it will be true. It's really going to help your business to have a messaging service that will allow you to interact with other customers. I had this experience recently where I ordered something from a company. It was clothing and it was just the wrong size. Instead of having to go through, oh, print a label, do all this stuff, I was able to just text and say, hey, here's my order number. I need this. And they said, oh, OK, well, now you just send this back and here you go. And it was so easy and straightforward. Didn't have to go through customer service and have them uh, put me on hold. It just took seconds. That's what Podium could do for your business. It increases your customer service speed and ease and therefore your reach. It's a messaging platform. That's what Podium is to power your business. It's going to help you reach your customers wherever they are. And business messaging with Podium helps you gain reviews, collect payments, communicate with customers, and capture leads all from a single inbox. Once you try this for all the small business owners that are listening to this, all all those across the country who work in companies that could use this kind of really helpful technology, you're going to realize, I wish I'd had it a long time ago. You know, America's CarMart collected 21,000 leads through web chat. And before Podium, they said they had a contact form and it could have been days before anybody got back to the customer. The response time with Podium is now minutes at America's CarMart. That's from TJ, their digital experience manager. Find out how Podium can help your business reach more customers. Get started free today at Podium.com slash buck. That's Podium.com slash buck. P-O-D-I-U-M. Podium.com slash buck. I know that we want to think that the mask madness and all that stuff is over with. I know that people want to move on. I I want to move on. But how can I when they haven't? They're not giving in on this. They've, They've decided 
that they're going to uh, they're, they're going to make us do it in some places, like the airport, where you have to put a mask on. You walk around the airport, and you have to wear a mask. Why? Because they say so. And then you go to every other business and store, and, you know, I've been in Nashville uh, for the last week or so. I stopped in New York over the weekend, but I was in Nashville last week. I'm in Nashville this week. I go into the store, I have to put a mask on. I mean, I don't have to put a mask on. I'm in the airport, though, I do. Why? Are, are airports so much more dangerous? No, people just in their minds have this, oh, my gosh, there's like, there's like the virus will be like flying on the planes and it's going to go everywhere and it's just like so bad. You know, yeah, we also have cars and we've got people moving all over the country all the time and we've got vaccines out there. And if you've been vaccinated, you should not worry about this. It's not reasonable to worry about this. And if you're unvaccinated and you're not at a, in a high risk category, you also should not worry about it, and you've made a decision not to get vaccinated. End of story. This shouldn't be that complicated. But they're going to make it more complicated because the Delta variant. Oh, you, you thought you thought we were done, huh? You thought we were all, all finished. Nope. You're going to have Fouch coming back. He's going to be on the TV. He's going to say, hello. I know you've missed me. It's been a long time. And I used to show up every five minutes. Now it's been like more like seven and a half minutes of airtime. And I'm really uh, here to tell you that you're going to have to sleep with a mask. You're going to have to shower with a mask. We have very nice rubberized masks now. Hard to breathe in, but great for stopping COVID. So this is this is what we're heading for. And this is. Unless we say no, and I understand a lot of you are going to say, Buck, it's not my problem. I live in a place where it's reasonable. Well, do you ever want to fly in a plane again? Do you ever want to do international travel again? Right now, if you try to go to the UK, uh, you are going to find that it's a very uncomfortable experience. Neil Ferguson, who's a very well-known intellectual, who's far too pro-lockdown, by the way, he thinks that lockdowns on balance were probably worth it in developed countries. I think that's crazy. I think he's just wrong. But if you want to be invited to fancy cocktail parties, which Mr. Ferguson still does, uh, you are going to take that position. Uh, you're going to believe that lockdowns were effective. But he talked about being a British national and how you had to go through so much, so much um of the the nonsense, the paperwork, all these different things. And he's vaccinated and his wife is vaccinated and his family's vaccinated, but they're still doing all this stuff. And he says it's just a constant nightmare. And at any phase, you could run afoul of the makeshift covid police during your travel. And then you're going to be delayed. You're going to miss your flight. You're going to be held in quarantine. You know, it's all this stuff. Enough of this madness. It's not a, it's not a, a, sufficient for us to just say that we won't live that way. We need to be very this is why I've been saying all along. Take the masks off outside. Right. Take the masks off inside. It's it, it, I'm not going to do this. Oh, it's all fine. It wasn't fine when they were telling us that we had to do this and made us through the force of law. Now that there is no scientific basis for it whatsoever. I mean, there was a flimsy, a make believe scientific basis earlier on but now that the data is clear we're gonna have to say i'm sorry but your mask wearing okay i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna use the force of the state to take a mask off your face if you want to live your life that way that's your choice 
But I am going to say it's stupid and it's and you should be embarrassed to be doing this. That's that is the position that I think needs to happen, because unless it is, I mean, the word I keep using is repudiate unless there is some consequence to going along with the mask theater wherever possible, unless people feel silly, a lot of them will still be conditioned to do this. And that's why this L.A. Times piece makes me so angry. L.A. County urges everyone to wear masks indoors as the Delta variant spreads in all public indoor spaces, regardless of whether they've been vaccinated for COVID-19. Oh, the Delta variant. Oh, another variant. How many times do we have to go through the variant? We've had many variants before. We've heard a lot about the different variants. And in this instance, what we see is that it will be just like the other ones. Yeah, it'll be it'll be somewhat more contagious. There have been other. Remember the Brazil variant, the South African variant. Now they're changing it. So they're giving these these uh, neutral names because God forbid a variant is named after a region of the world. You know, there's going to be all this you know, anti UK sentiment because of the UK variant. It's also so preposterous, isn't it? But this is why we have to now go on offense about this stuff. They want to bring us back into this. And I'm telling you, if we get into a if we get to a place where there's still variants spreading this winter, they're going to be demanding booster shots. They're going to make vaccines mandatory. They don't have the political uh, the, the political momentum right now to do the mandatory vaccines. Do you really think the people that looked at you with a straight face and said double mask are now going to tell you uh, vaccines do not have to be mandatory? Of course they want them to be mandatory. Of course they want them to be something you have to do. They're just waiting for the right opportunity. And this is about conditioning the population. This is about making the American people obedient. In a sense, they're trying to beat out of us that individuality, that sense of the state is there to serve us. We are not there to serve the state. Because if you turn over even the most basic decisions, if you tell the government that they're in a place to determine where you can go, who you can see, how you can breathe, what can't the government do? And this is what everyone needs to understand. This is what everyone has to be aware of. This fight is not over. We have a Biden administration that has Pete Buttigieg, a dogmatic, annoying little leftist, making us mask up on plane still. It's idiotic. But we still have to do it. Vaccinated or no, doesn't matter. Can't even get out of it. You're vaccinated. By the way, you should. The real rule should be now, folks, it's a free for all. Everyone's had plenty of time to get vaccinated. We you know if, if you don't want to your choice, God bless. But everyone's had plenty of time to get vaccinated. So if someone's choosing not to, they're choosing not to. They're looking at the odds and saying, I got a 99 percent chance of survival. And I'm not worried about it. OK, everyone, every American should be able to roll that. Dice, so to speak. And that's it, right? That's it. And I'm speaking to you right now as a person who is unvaccinated, but also had confirmed COVID and beat it. So I have antibodies, but I'm not vaccinated. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about giving it to anybody. I'm not worried about getting it. I'm not worried. Why aren't other people out there just being reasonable about this? Well, it's because they've been brainwashed. They've totally lost it. So then we've got the the Tucker mask. I'm sorry, the Tucker NSA situation, uh, which was a pretty 
remarkable, a pretty remarkable uh, allegation to make on air. Here is, look, I mean, you guys know I, I do Tucker show a fair amount, and I, I think it's one of the best places for conservative commentary in the conservative media ecosystem. I, I make uh, no secret of that. I think Tucker does a really good job, and he's a good guy. You know, I, I've always liked Tucker. He's always been good to me. And here he is saying that he has effectively proof that the NSA has spied on his communications. Play one. Quote, the FBI had sources in that crowd, confidential sources, snitches. That's 100 percent certain. But it's not just political protesters the government is spying on. Yesterday, we heard from a whistleblower within the U.S. government who reached out to warn us that the NSA, the National Security Agency, is monitoring our electronic communications and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take this show off the air. Now, that's a shocking claim, and ordinarily we'd be skeptical of it. It's illegal for the NSA to spy on American citizens. It's a crime. It's not a third world country. Things like that should not happen in America. But unfortunately, they do happen, and in this case, they did happen. The whistleblower, who is in a position to know, repeated back to us information about a story that we are working on that could have only come directly from my texts and emails. There's no other possible source for that information, period. The NSA captured that information without our knowledge and did it for political reasons. The Biden administration is spying on us. We have confirmed that. This morning, we filed a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request, asking for all information that the NSA and other agencies have gathered about this show. The NSA spying on Tucker Carlson. Look, this is the he makes the allegation outright. Now, let me just first tell you, I I have no way of knowing (laughs) people who are like, Buck, you were the CIA. Yeah, I was in the CIA 10 years ago, which is not the NSA. And these are huge institutions, and there are tremendous, uh, there's a lot of stove piping of information, and there's different you know, levels of access, and uh, trust me, it's it's not like, this is why people ask me about UFOs, I'm like, um, I got a lot of friends in media who know more about UFOs than I do. You want to talk to me about U.S. counterinsurgency operations in northern and western Iraq circa 2004 to 2010? Oh, Yeah. That stuff I knew pretty well. Uh, you know, there's some things that I could talk to you about, you know, in, in detail or rather I, I know the government's operations. And, of course, I would never actually talk about them. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I don't have some special. It's not like I've got Google for the NSA in my brain and I can say, yeah, let me pull up that uh, spy on Tucker program. So I'll just get that off uh, off my chest first and foremost. And now some of you are sitting there saying, really, Buck? You can neither confirm nor deny, which I guess is kind of true, too. I, I, if I did know, would I tell you? Uh, but no, really, I, I have no idea. Um, I can tell you that technically uh, you are led to believe that any, any, any misuse. Now, I'm telling you the policy. Don't, don't groan at me because I know this. I, they broke this to go after that. They, they cheated on this program or they rather they. Um, they broke their own regulations to go after Carter Page. I'm not saying that they don't cheat. I'm just telling you what the rules are, right? <laughs> that doesn't mean they're not breaking the rules. So, but the the rule is, yeah, if you if you abuse uh, spying tools to go after an American citizen, your basically your career is over, and you might you'll probably go to prison. I mean, that's that's the way that's the level of seriousness with which they are supposed to take this stuff. Now, if you're asking me, do I think that under the Biden administration? There would be a possibility 
that people within the government would know that Tucker is a opponent of the regime. Tucker's an opponent of the Biden regime. We, we know that that's true. So would they abuse the power, the the unfortunately fearsome surveillance powers of the NSA and the intelligence apparatus of this government? Yeah, of course they do that. I can't tell you if they did or not. I don't know. But Tucker makes it very clear that someone shared with him communication information that they believe had to be intercepted. Now, one explanation for this is the person they were talking to for some reason either leaked it themselves or, you know, there's always two ends of these communications. And so you can know that you didn't show anyone, but you can't really know the other person didn't show anyone. So that's a possibility. But if you're asking me, and I think you are, or rather the question that we are posed with right now, would the apparatus of the intelligence community be used to spy on Tucker Carlson under a Biden administration, especially given what we saw under the Biden administration in its final days with all the unmasking requests, the usage of FISA during the transition and all the spying that went on for which let's remind each other. There was essentially no price paid. There was essentially no cost to that for the people who did it. So what do we make of that? What do we do about that? Well, I think that's um, why we have to take a moment now and take a uh, take a, a second to understand this is very possible that we may in fact have an NSA that is doing this against selected individuals. And that's right. F- filing a FOIA request, the, the chance of that coming up with anything, it's a formality. They have to do it. I'm not criticizing them for doing it. But the FOIA request is going to come back with zero because all of this would fall under national security exception to FOIA. And I mean, and it actually would. So you're never going to get through FOIA answers here. And this is why I'm I'm still pretty annoyed that, you know, I, I remember I told that the first time I met with President Trump and I'm talking to him today. The first time I met with President Trump, um, he made it very clear that he understood the intelligence community was arrayed against him. And I said, sir, I think you should release as much information as you can to show the degree of exactly what you're up against, the, the kind of stuff that they're they're doing. Um, and, and he said he was going to. But there are always people in the apparatus itself. There are always people who decided that they were uh, they were they knew better and there was no need for there to be any kind of transparency effort from the side of things that uh, Trump was on. And I think that was a mistake. I'm just going to tell you, I think it was a mistake. And I think that there was a little bit of the two step from the deep state bureaucrats, including some that Trump trusted more than he should have, because otherwise we would have found out more information about all this. But yeah, given what we saw with the Biden, I'm sorry, the Obama administration right before, which Biden was a part of as VP, do I think that it's beyond them to spy on one of the most vocal and most powerful critics in the whole media ecosystem of the Biden regime? Of course, it's not beyond them. So do I believe it? Yeah. Do I know it's true? No. So that's where we are. That's the, the level that I, I put my analysis right now. And then we have, oh, wait, one more thing. Um, 
Dr. I meant to get to this before. Dr. Sanjay Gupta on masks. Play 12. Uh, the reason you're hearing about the masking coming back is basically still to try and slow down the spread of what is clearly a more transmissible variant, the Delta variant. This is 60% more transmissible than the UK variant was, which was 50% more transmissible than the strain before that. So you get the idea here. I mean, it's, it's sort of this, uh, this notion that the virus is still spreading. Let's see if we can do everything we can to really contain it now at, at this phase of things. Masks aren't going to do it, folks. They never did it before. How well did masks work in January of 2020? We were masking up everywhere. You think they worked? You don't believe they worked. I don't believe they worked. Nobody would really think that that's a fair reading of this. But the people that were such big believers, oh, my gosh, masks. They will never, they will never admit that it was all lunacy. They will never admit that it was a total waste of time and that it was effectively a, a, a religion. Um, So I I just wanted to show you that they're already trying to tell you, oh, that's right. And when this variant creates some surges in some pockets of America, you know what they're going to say? Well, you didn't mask up enough and you didn't vaccinate enough. Now, on the vaccination part, they may have they have they will probably have a point. I'm just going to tell you, I mean, the vaccines are effective, but the reasons well, we shouldn't get them for everybody. We've talked about that before. The vaccines are effective, though. Um it's it's uh, you know, you should mandate them for everyone. I mean, um, you know, you should have kids forced to get the vaccine. You should no one should be forced to get it. If you're 78 years old, you got emphysema, you've been smoking three packs a day your whole life. And, you know, you've got hypertension and, and you know, you're just like, look, I don't want to get vaccinated. I I, I want to just sort of play the odds. That should be your choice. The same way that it was your choice to smoke three packs a day and, you know, live your life the way you want to live. Right. It should be your choice. And now it's going to it's it's something that can have really serious consequences. I if that were a friend or a family member of mine, I would advocate very strongly for that person to get the vaccine. But I wouldn't force that person the same way that I absolutely would not force and would uh, and will strongly stand against making a 12 year old get vaccinated for covid. Making a five-year-old get vaccinated for COVID. So, you know, you know, you guys all know where I stand on this. I just wanted to be clear about that. Jen Psaki has the hilarious, the hilarious job now of trying to convince people that Democrats are the pro-police party. That's, that's what Jen Psaki's task is at this point. Uh, here she is. Play play four. The president did mention that the American Rescue Plan, the state and local funding, something that was supported by the president. A lot of Democrats who supported and voted for the bill could help ensure uh, local cops were kept on the beat in communities across the country. As you know, didn't receive a single Republican vote. That funding has been used to keep cops on the beat. That's right. They're all about keeping cops on the beat. Cops on the beat, huh? That's what this was all about? That sounds like the opposite of defund. Now, I understand that the game the Democrats are playing is that they want to be, and this is a classic Obama administration maneuver. They want the activist left to be able to get what it wants while the more, quote, moderate Democrats, not completely insane, are actually advocating for a different policy 
but not criticizing the activist left Democrats or stopping them from making things worse for everybody in the country. So they want to have their cake and eat it, too. Biden gets to go out there and say, I'm a law and order guy. Believe no joke. You know, I believe in law and order. And then AOC can go out there and say, like, cops are like so bad. And I just hate that there's like so many like of the cops running around. And like one of them gave me a speeding ticket once. And I was in like a Jeep Grand Cherokee. And it was like white and so cute. And like I got a speeding ticket and I was so upset. Yeah. That, they, these are the different wings of the Democrat Party when it comes to police, right? They, there's the defund, and then there's the, well, we still say we kind of like cops, but we're not going to call out the defund wing. Can't have it both ways. Can't have it both ways. And isn't it the most, and I mean this, the most predictable thing in the world in so many ways that now we have the defund, the defund movement so politically Uh, So much a a political liability that what we've really got here is a situation where they're trying to just gaslight the whole country into pretending into uh, pretending that they were the ones who actually were supportive of police. I mean, this is this is absurd, but this is where we are. Yeah. The American rescue plan was what really was keeping the cops on the beat. But something else that Saki said, Saki bomb said that I thought was particularly amusing. Um, Electric vehicle charging stations. You know, I just had the experience for the first time ever of riding in a Tesla Uber in New York City. Because I'm a guy who likes to take Uber and, uh, you know, because I like to just pass out basically in the backseat after I've done radio for, you know, a million hours a day. And so I, I was taking a, I was taking a Tesla Uber, and I gotta say the Tesla car is pretty cool, actually. I, look, I'm just telling you, aesthetically, it's there's a reason why Elon Musk has become a visionary, you know, bajillionaire, and all the rest of it. Um, but Tesla obviously runs on electricity, and I asked the guy, I said, "So where are the charging stations?" And he pulled up a map, and this was in New York City. In Manhattan, the whole island of Manhattan, there were like three places you could go charge uh, charge your vehicle, which is remarkable considering this is electricity. This isn't gasoline. I mean, yeah, there aren't that many. There are more than three, but there aren't that many gas stations in Manhattan either because the real estate's so expensive. But three charging stations? And that's in Manhattan. So, yeah, it's going to take quite a while before you have broad-spectrum electric vehicle adoption measures in rural parts of the country. And here's Jen Psaki on this. Play six. People across the country, people who care deeply about addressing our climate crisis, know the components of what's in this package, which the president considers a down payment, not the end, a down payment. So 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations nationwide. That's what this would help support with a focus on our highways and rural and disadvantaged communities. It would help buy more than 35,000 electric school buses. 35,000 electric school buses. This is, what, this is what they're spending your, grand, your grandchildren and your children's money on. Electric school buses. And, and your money. I don't know. There, there are college kids who listen to the Buck Sexton podcast, thankfully. So your money's getting spent on this. If you're wondering, if, if you're a young millennial, unlike me, the graybeard millennial that I am, and you're wondering why is it so hard, why is it so expensive to buy a house? Stuff like this. Why is milk $6 a gallon when I go to the store now or $5 a gallon? Stuff like this. 
spending, spending, spending. Why are we doing all this? It doesn't make it doesn't make vehicles safer. It doesn't make them uh, better at the job of delivering children to the school. It just is about climate change mania. But they, they've got to act now. You see, they've got to use this moment in time where people are particularly compliant, where people are doing what they think they're supposed to do. Um, they they want to leverage the mass mobilization of the American people in the covid lockdown for the mobilization against climate change. I mean, they've been pretty explicit about that for a while, but I think this is amazing. 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations in rural and disadvantaged communities. Uh, do they even need? I mean, how many of these already exist? Very few. How many Teslas do you think are driving around Appalachia right now? How many Teslas are driving around eastern Kentucky? Or I know it's not just that electric vehicle. There are others, but just think about that. Very, very few. But it's not uh, their money, so to speak, that the government is spending. It's your money. These are their preferred policies. They've, they're just using open checkbook to get whatever it is that they that they want. And then that brings me to the latest at the border with Kamala. You know, Trump is going to be at the border tomorrow. And. You're going to see a I think you're going to see a really invigorated Trump who's in a much better place than he's been in a long time because the border is really how he won the Republican primary. Let's all remember that. I mean, the border is what put Trump out front because he was willing to say things that not only you weren't supposed to say, but that were very popular. That that was the Trump secret sauce early on. Say things that you're not supposed to say because of political correctness and the apparatus of control over us, and then say it, and then you recognize, hold on a second, a lot of Americans really believe in this. A lot of Americans are all about this. You know, they think that this is really, really important. Well, what was Kamala doing at the border? DHS Secretary Mayorkas was asked, why didn't she actually visit a child migrant facility, Play 9? The vice president and the president directed Javier Becerra, the secretary of health and human services, to visit Fort Bliss, uh, which is under his responsibility, and he's doing so today. It was just 10 miles away. Why not include it on the vice president's trip? Well, uh, you know, we had uh, quite a bit to see, and we were able to uh, uh, meet with the CBP, the Customs and Border Protection uh, personnel, both in the Central Processing Center and the Port of Entry. Um, The vice president was able to meet with migrant children and understand why uh, they fled their home in desperation. Uh, She was also able to meet with community members to understand what they have been learning uh, from the migrants uh, who fled the the Northern Triangle countries of Guatemala, Honduras, uh, and El Salvador. It was most instructive. And what the president and vice president have done from the very outset is direct their cabinet officials, including me, to address the situation at the border. Does he actually say anything about what they're going to do? Notice this, this is the language of bureaucraties. We're going to address it. We're going to circle back and close the loop, and we're going to hold the meeting and have a committee, and we're going to have a discussion about the prior discussion, and then we're going to circle back on that, and we're going to have the talking points prepared, and we're going to, okay, what are you going to do? 
about the fact that the border is effectively wide open. What are you going to do? They don't have an answer. And that's why Kamala just showed up, got out of there as quickly as she could. It's all about protecting her from the optics of the massive and ongoing border failure that is currently underway. Um, so I think that's very, very important for everybody. All right. That, that, that they weren't really able to make this look good. So they're trying to make it seem like eh, Kamala just went and let's forget about it. Let's let's push this aside as quickly as we possibly can. And that is uh, that is their plan. That is the plan to make sure that nobody really cares about what's going on with the U.S.-Mexico border and to blame it on Trump the same way. I mean, if they're willing to blame defund the police on the Republicans now, which is hilarious, right? This would be like blaming us for Joe Biden getting elected. This is nuts. Trust me, they will they will continue to try to put the blame on Trump for the border. And while you know and I know that that's absurd, that's nonsense, they only have to convince a small portion of the electorate that it's true in order to stay in power after these midterms. Lies work. Democrats are a perfect example of that. They're, they're, the, uh, they're the proof of that thesis. Lies can work in politics. They're lying to you about defund the police. They're lying to you about the border. Speaking of lying, Wall Street has been lying for years to folks out there saying that, oh, you just want to put your money in the market, get that 7% return, don't do anything else. Because trading is actually not so complicated that you have to have a financial advisor who's also taken a cut, by the way, because there are real people who are making 30%, 50%, even 100% a year on their money trading stocks. And they do so even when the market's tough. Carnivore Trading is an anonymous team of elite Wall Street strategists. They're legends among Wall Street heavy hitters, and now they've gone a little bit rogue. They're allowing everyday folks like us to see and mirror their explosive trades. So I'm, I'm actually at the point right now where I'm trying to figure out I have such a, a good win from a recent carnivore trade. Do I sell or do I just keep holding? Because I'm just I'm just basically, uh, you know, paying for my next vacation with a carnivore trade right now. That's honestly what's going on. So and I've only been using it for a few months now. You got to check it out for yourself. Go to getourtrades.com. You can try it for free. Just go to this website, getourtrades.com. Use the promo code BUCK. It's very important. You'll get your two weeks free and they'll find out that you heard about them here on the Buck Sexton Show, which is critical. Join Carnivore. They guarantee you'll get five times your subscription fee or double your money back. Go to getourtrades.com, promo code BUCK. That's getourtrades.com, promo code BUCK. See website for guaranteed terms and conditions, past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. All right, now back to the infrastructure situation. Pete Buttigieg, Secretary of Transportation. Did you, I can't even tell you who the Secretary of Transportation was under Trump or Bush or, or Obama, for that matter. You know, usually this is not a role that you're seeing somebody appear a lot in the media, but Buttigieg has very high political aspirations. Don't ever forget that. This is a guy who still thinks he's going to be president. Oh, yeah. He still thinks he's going to be president. Um, but here he is trying to push us on how, you know, we're going to have the best roads and bridges and all that stuff. Play three. 
But we're depending on a 110-year-old piece of infrastructure. So fixing that tunnel, fixing the bridges that lead to it, these are examples of the kinds of things that we just haven't been willing to invest in as a country. And there are examples of that in small towns and big cities. There are examples of that in every part of the country. Now's our chance to actually have the best uh, bridges and, 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 and roads and tunnels, transit, trains. Uh, I mean, I always thought I was going to be the biggest passenger rail guy around. But in this administration, obviously, I'm second place. But I'm trying to make it a close second. Um, this is the biggest investment in passenger rail since Amtrak was created. It's going to make trains for everybody. Okay. You know that Amtrak currently loses money on basically all of its, uh, all of its service nationwide except for the Acela Corridor in the Northeast. I mean, Amtrak loses money year in and year out. Amtrak has uh, lost money year in and year out even on its food service, which is astonishing when you think about it. I mean, how hard is it to have... When you can charge 5X, whatever it would be in the real, you know, the moment you step off the train, you know, a granola bar that would cost you $2, Amtrak can charge 6 or 7 and they do, you know, $8 for a, uh, a granola bar. You'd think that at least the food could be pretty decent. The food is crap on Amtrak. It's embarrassing how bad it is. I mean, yeah, they can give you a can of soda that tastes like a can of soda or maybe some potato chips that are actually potato chips. They, they can't do anything better than that. Well, it's because it's not really a for-profit system. It, I mean, I, it technically is, but it doesn't really function that way because of all the government subsidies and everything else. So this is about the mass mobilization that I've been telling you about of, of the population, the moral equivalent of war against COVID. Now it's the moral equivalent of war against CO2. And so that means enormous uh, increases in spending and a tremendous government takeover of well everything in life including now we have to hear about how the roads and the bridges are crumbling and all this other stuff so i hope you uh, enjoy the interview today if you uh, haven't already heard it by the time you hear this with uh, number 45 former president trump uh, that'll be during today's clay and buck show on radio uh, but remember this show continues on the buck sexton podcast you're going to see some new uh, graphics and new social media posts about this and everything else. So this is now, this is the Freedom Hut. The Freedom Hut lives on in the Buck Sexton Show podcast. That's what we're going to be doing. So uh, please do pass the buck. We need to continue to to have this grow um, because that's what's going to make it worth it for us to continue doing this for uh, one year, five years, 10 years, you name it. Um, and make sure you give us uh, reviews on Apple Podcasts, please. All right, team, talk to you tomorrow. Shields high.